Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Gym Owners Fitness Business Podcast. It's a sunny day here in Ballarat. I'm proud to say that our podcast is supported by Oz Active, My Zone, and Fitness On Demand, and of course, Ignite Fitness Business Events. Now, I'm pretty super excited because today I get to speak to Jack Thomas. Good morning, Jack. Good morning, Mel. Happy to be here. Thank you. And Jack is a well-known icon in the fitness industry in Asia, and I have to say on a global level as well. Now, Jack is the founder and CEO of BASE and host of the Fitness Business Asia podcast, which is extremely popular. BASE is widely recognized as one of Asia's leading fitness brands and is the winner of Asia's Gym of the Year in 2018 Fitness Best Awards, Class Pass Bangkok Best Studio in 2020, and Thailand's Gym of the Year in 2021. Jack is a regular speaker at the region's biggest fitness business events and conferences, including Fit Summit, which will be meeting up in June, Asia Fitness Conference, and Expo Singapore. As a consultant to the industry, he's in high demand and often has to turn away clients. Now, today, Jack and I are going to be speaking about the Fit Guide. Now, I'm loving this. I've been looking on Jack's website. I've been checking out all his social media posts. And Jack, let's just go straight into it. Tell us all, what is the Fit Guide and why did you start the Fit Guide? Yeah, let's start off with the why. So it was about a year ago, I was having a dinner with my now business partner. He's a good friend. He lived in Bangkok for about 10 years. We became friends then. And he was in hotel evaluations when he lived in Bangkok. And I thought it was the best job in the world. You get to go to five-star hotels all around the world. You get paid well for it. But he always assured me that it is a job, Jack. I'm not just there having a good time. You do have to assess and evaluate everything. And you're basically working for the full two or three days that you're at this hotel. So he went back to the UK and started working for Forbes Travel Guide. So they are the industry's sort of leader or the first um, body or organization that developed the five and four star hotel reviews. And that was in 1965. So that company is extremely established in that area. Since then, many different countries had different five and four star reviews, but they are the originator. So he worked for Forbes and he became the global head of evaluations for Forbes Travel Guide. So he was intimately involved in the process of reviewing not just hotels, but also restaurants and spas as well. So a year ago, this is April 2022. The skies had just opened up, so he flew straight into Thailand. We were having a beer and dinner, talking about what he does in evaluations in Forbes Travel Guide at the time. He's now left to set up his own consultancy helping hotels. Myself, talking about the fitness industry. And we just had this kind of epiphany where we were like, there's nothing like this in the fitness industry. Like, why not? And so we did some research. We couldn't find anything. Of course, restaurants have the Michelin Guide. They've had that for over a hundred years. And we just searched online, couldn't find anything. We started searching for things like Yoga Class New York. And it was just this random mishmash of, you know, old blog posts from 2019 where most of the studios have closed down. So we kind of jokingly said, Let's set something up like Forbes Travel Guide, like Michelin Guide, but for the world's best gyms and clubs and studios and go 50-50 on it. Had a few more beers, kind of forgot about it. But over the next few days, it was just running through both of our minds as to how good an idea it was. I've been to Sydney, New York, London, been to all the top, well, not all the top gyms, but many of the top clubs and studios. And I knew that a lot of clubs that charge maybe $40 in New York for a class are not delivering the service that they promise. There's a lot of areas where we 
really need to improve. So I really knew we needed something like this in the fitness industry. So we started working on our sort of phase one for the fit guide. And so we took some standards and some SOPs that we have at base. We kind of do these observations for classes sometimes. And then Matt sort of gave it a bit of a, a spin with his um, evaluation process that he uses for hotels. And we came up with our version one and then we basically spent six months refining adding to it going to friends clubs and doing reviews of the process there and the like almost like a mystery shop um but it's a it's deeper than that we would go to friends clubs go through the evaluations afterwards tweaking and refining for six months and at the end of that we had a real solid process of 250 standards for visiting a club and for the first phase we are focusing on sort of boutique clubs micro gyms whatever you want to call it which is yoga studios bar studios hidden strengths so that would be your barriers boot camps or your orange theories or your f45s for example um cycling studios uh, so it's kind of that premium sort of boutique experience and the reason we did that area of the industry is one that's where i work and that's what I've been doing for the last 12 years but also we felt like that particular part of the industry is most suited to this kind of evaluation because it's very much about the experience you know it's not so much about the quality of the dumbbells or the cleanliness although we do evaluate that it's more how the team really builds the experience so it took us six months to get phase one and then we decided to kind of launch with a real bang so we went into New York anonymously London and Singapore. We did a lot of research in finding the top 50 clubs in each city. And we went in and went through that process. So it's been a huge process, honestly, bigger than I than I thought it would be. We've really bitten off a lot. Um, but we've now launched New York. We just launched London yesterday. And we'll be launching Singapore soon. And what we've discovered has been fascinating. The data, just the stories from the evaluators, and just the level of detail that it goes into. And now that we're speaking to club owners and operators and we're going through the reports, we're seeing firsthand the value that it offers them. So I guess in summary, Mel, we've got like uh, for the fitness industry, we want to build it up. We want to help the industry. And then also for consumers. So if you're going to London, you can find the best class for you as well. I mean, I love the concept. What I would like to know is do – so I'm a club owner. Let's say I want to have my club um, represented in the Fit Guide. Can I get in touch with you and say, hey, Jack, I really want to be in the Fit Guide. Can you come and mystery shop my club? Do you come yourself or have you engaged individuals to mystery shop these businesses? Great question. So Matt, my business partner, takes care of the evaluation side because that's what he's been doing for so long. So he knows how to train them up, how to get them to notice the little things that they need to notice to actually do the evaluation. So we've been very intimately involved in the process of developing that but we don't do the evaluations now i don't want to walk into a club and mel's reception desk goes aren't you aren't you mel's friend jack and so that would um it yep. would damage the integrity yep. of the process let's say so we we train people up where we've got a very exhaustive interview process it takes about two months to go through the full training a lot of that is online so it's things to look for um they would sort of look at videos of people going through interactions and they would mark that um some individual one-to-one -one training and then we do actually do some in-person evaluations with them where we we would visit a club together or a manager of the company plus a new evaluator and then we do an evaluation together or se separately to make sure the they match but yeah we, we can do any any club as long as it fits certain criteria it needs to be sort of a premium experience we wouldn't do say a les mills class but yes if you have a premium cycling studio or hit and strength studio or bar studio then yes we can and so 
All right. So you train the people up. Tell me what are some of the things that these guys look for? So they open the doors, they're walking into the club. What's the first thing that they're looking for? Good question. So it's, it's, we don't like the term mystery shop because we're not shopping, we're evaluating. And we've done a lot of research into mystery shopping. And typically it's quite subjective. You know, how was the service on a scale of one to 10? How much did you enjoy the experience on a scale of one to 10? Every single one of our standards is a yes or a no standard. So they either did it or they didn't do it. And again, we've taken a lot of inspiration from hospitality and what hotel evaluations have been for a long time. The first thing we do is a call to the branch. So we we call the branch. We have a standard for how they answer the phone, the packages. Are they comfortable talking about the facilities? Do they ask some questions to you? Um, do they display warm emotions? There's about 15 standards or so around that. Then we do the arrival process. So it, do they acknowledge you soon after you arrive at the studio? So even if there's a queue, they can still say I'll be with you in a moment. So a lot of it kind of has a bit of a hospitality backing to it. Um, that's honestly been quite poor overall, the reception services. So that'd be the call, the arrival, and also the departure as well. The biggest part of the evaluation is the group class experience. So that makes up 50% of the weight of the whole mark. So that would be, well, we've got many standards around that, but it would be, does it start on time? Does it finish on time? Do they get to speak to you before the class if it's your first time? Again, very few studios are doing that, which is a real shame. So our evaluators would always arrive early. They'd always give a fantastic opportunity, the best opportunity for them to do it. We're not going to run in two minutes after the class has started as an evaluator because, of course, they can't yep. tick these standards then and make sure these things are done. Do they explain the work clearly? Is it laid out clearly? Is the work, is the work out delivered as it was promised do they observe your form from different angles so it's probably important to say mel it is the average client experience we're not going in as coaches and really breaking down the workout and saying oh those two exercises probably weren't best together because you wanted to work different muscle groups the reason is is one we're for the average person in the average experience you know not people in the industry to go in and take apart the workout but someone going to new york who isn't in the industry to find the best class and also 10 coaches are going to say 10 different things on what's a good program or exactly the right cue at the right time so we are evaluating that average person average client experience so with what you've learned so far, so obviously you've got quite a big uh, library of things that you've learned now. In Jack's world, what would the ideal club now look like? Oh, good question. I mean, it's it's not, I guess it's important to say it's not about like in my world. There's a lot of like, it's funny. But what have you, get... you learned? So as a consumer, mm, mm. I open the doors. You Obviously, you've got so much, you know, so many resources now. If I came to you and said, Jack, I'm going to open the club, you sat me down and you would, what are the things you say, Mel, you have to do this? Yes. Okay. Good question. So if you look at, say, hotels, I just want to go to that for a moment. So people have a bit of a misconception that a five-star hotel is, oh, it's got to have a swimming pool. It's got to have 24-hour room service. It's got to have like certain type of towels, like basically physical things. But actually, the truth is it's 75% service for a five-star hotel. That's how they're evaluated. 25% is all of the physical stuff. And we are a similar mix. So whilst it is important in a premium experience when you're paying a lot of money to get a, a workout towel as part of the experience, to get a shower towel, to have a clean shower, to have certain amenities, that only weighs up about 25% uh, of the whole mark. 75% is service. And honestly, Mel, it's, they're not that hard to achieve. They shouldn't be, but we're just not doing it 
too often so really it just centers around connection and that's connection when you call you should feel excited at the end of the call and like you want to actually visit the club they should be happy to have that conversation when you arrive it should be a similar experience you know don't forget Mel most people that come into a a studio for the first time are nervous maybe they've been psyching themselves up for six months you know when we go and evaluate a club we'd be a first time clients um and so they've got to get us excited they've got to make us feel comfortable they've got to show us around the gym there's an orientation standard do they give you an orientation is it helpful and unrushed and so at the end of each part of the journey we should feel good we should feel comfortable we should feel connected and we should feel ready for that next step then the group class again the coach connects with me before the session hey jack you know have you done this kind of training before do you live around here you know, do you have any injuries I need to know about before we start? You know, for me, these are fundamentals, but we're just not doing them often enough. And then at the end of the session, if it's your first time, the coach must check in with you after the session. For me, it's an absolute fundamental, but that's just not happening very often. Sometimes the coach is out the door, on their phone, having a chat with their mate afterwards. So, re- and, and then when you leave, again, a lot of it is about connection, right? And so we have some standards around the sales process because we believe that it's not about pushy sales or anything like that. We spoke to some operators said oh we don't want to be pushy but this is about helping the client continue their training that's how we want to frame it so our evaluators they would say kind of lay it on a plate you know i've just moved to the city i'm here for maybe six months at least you know what are your training options i want to get started and it's amazing how many clubs say i'll just download the app or i'll just go on the website it's all on there (laughs) And so we're like, okay, you don't want to be pushy. That's fine. But I'm actually saying, hey, I need some help. I enjoyed the class. I'm, I'm ready to take the next step. And a lot of clubs are saying, well, you know, that's, that's not going to happen. I just, you know, here's the price list. Uh, you know, some, some are good, of course, but that's one area that really, really needs work. And so it's actually made me more passionate about sales because I've seen how poor it is. And I know what it's like. I speak to people every day at base who, who struggle to come in that first time. So in summary, Mel, it's about connecting and helping them feel good about the next step in their journey. And that's what the industry should be about. I totally agree with the connection. We've been talking a lot about that in our club over the last couple of months because, as I said to you earlier on, you know, we're quite busy now. We've got uh, more members than we've had, you know, since obviously uh, because of COVID. But I personally feel that the connection has dropped off a little bit. I feel that, you know, when people are walking in, as we were talking about, you know, the headphones, the pods, we're not able to do the, hi, how you going, Jack? Because they're straight in or you give them a wave and then they leave and they've got this on again. So I'm finding that it's really hard to connect sometimes with certain generations coming through the door. We do want to do it, but we aren't able to do it because of what's happening, you know, in front of us, like I just said to you, the headphones and that. And when you talk about group fitness, how often do you see group fitness instructors running, and I'm guilty of it, guilty of it, running from one class to the next class and don't even get to go, hi, did you enjoy your class? That was really good. I hope you, see you. don't even get to say, oh, I'll see you next week because you're going from bang to bang. Uh, and then again, you see group fitness instructors uh, sometimes when the members are waiting out the front to start a class, instead of being in there with that crowd waiting to be able to get into the room, they're on their phone down at reception talking to the to the team. I just don't understand where it all fell apart for us as an industry because, you know, we were so great at this, you know, 2018, 2019, 2015, in the years that I've been in the industry. Where do you think it fell apart? But it's such a good question, Mel. There's lots of things popping into my head as you were talking then. I mean, one, one thing I will say is, is you know, 
if you see someone wearing their headphones, I think there's still some things you can do. I don't think you need to pull the headphones off and go, hey, how are you doing? But I think you can smile, you can, you know, good body language. There's still a lot you can do to sort of show them that, that you're there. But of course, it's a barrier and they probably want their own space and that's fine. We would always go in and be very open. And as I said, give, give a good opportunity. I do think we've had so many conversations now with so many operators and managers. I think we even from the top we're not focusing on this enough there's quite a few excuses to be honest with you like oh yeah but you know that's difficult for us because of this and oh i know the reception staff isn't very good we've just sort of got high staff turnover and i think when the people from the top are giving out those kind of messages and they have that kind of mindset, it's only natural that it's going to trickle down. Yeah. And the thing is, Mel, what's interesting is some clubs get it right. Some brands get it right consistently. So when they say, oh, you just can't really get the staff now, I feel like that's a story they've told themselves. Hey, I'm sure it's difficult. I'm not yeah. saying it's not. And I know what that's like for sure, right? It's difficult to get good staff and to retain them. But I feel if you tell your st that story enough to yourself, you just end up not doing anything about it and accepting it. And I think, honestly, that's the most common thing the brands that really focus on this and really believe in this and every day say we got to be better at this are doing a much better job and that's what we're seeing yeah yeah and as you said it is it is an excuse that you tell yourself and then you start to believe it and you just start to live it live it every day jack i'm listening to you and i have to say this i would love to see you run uh, a one-day summit called the fit guide yeah, and yeah, pass great to do something on like that. all of your resources and tools and what you've learned so far to the industry to help them improve the standard that they're that they're operating at. I mean, I would definitely sign up to do it. I find at the moment the on the onboarding process of staff is, um, you know, I find that a challenge. And when we were talking about you know recruiting staff, it's like you get the staff member and they're like, oh my god. You know, like you want to get them behind the desk and get them doing this and it's all a big rush, rush, rush because the other staff want to have more time off now because they've been overworked. And and so I find that our industry is lacking some really good onboarding processes, especially um, when you've got a large commercial club like myself. Not that that's an excuse. I just find the boutique guys do it so, so well. They've got, you know, small staff um, numbers and then they've got, they're able to bring them in and they've got a, a better connection as opposed to some of us that have got larger staff lists. I mean, for me, sometimes I don't see some of the staff for a couple of weeks because we just don't, we don't cross paths. Um, is there any other, yeah, is there any other advice that you could give to clubs that you're seeing that we're quite weak in? Yeah, so I think it all starts from mindset, like I said, you know, just try not to tell yourself those stories, I think. And then, look, it, it takes investment. So it takes a time investment, maybe money investment as well. I think um, the bar has been set low in a lot of clubs and for a lot of brands. Um, and so, you know... It, once they accept it and then they don't spend any money on it, it just becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. So I think, um, you know, we've been through a whole revolution at base. So if I'm honest, and I've talked about this openly on the podcast as well, four or five years ago, our front desk was weak, really weak. And there was a few things that happened, a few moments and a bit of feedback where I really realized that. And I realized that I'd invested a lot into the coaching team and we were great on that side, but we hadn't really invested anything in the front desk team. And honestly, it took about 18 months, I would say, to turn that around. Um, so we, we had more regular meetings, more regular training 
more get-togethers with the team. You know, every month we'd go out and have a dinner or something like that. We built in a lot more processes. And a big, big part of it was the initial training. So four or five years ago, the initial training was like, come over here, Mel, let me show you. So we got mind body, we do this, this, and this. You know, here's how you check in a client. You think you're good? Sweet, off you go. You know, and that might take two days, right? But that was basically it. And so they're completely overwhelmed. And then the manager would come back a month later and go, why are you doing that? I told you in the first day not to do that. Yeah. And we saw this was happening and the end result was just awful awful service and then also no accountability really you know bad training bad accountability so we went back to the beginning when we first get someone in let's build out a proper like two three week process just like we have for coaches well it's a bit longer for coaches and we go through everything in great detail they have some tests some little exams they fill out on google forms they're very easy to sort of build and to do and by investing into that first part it made a massive difference and then it was accountability and that's something that the fit guide offers right we're working with some clubs and brands to do regular evaluations where we can go and say hey this is what an independent body has come in and said you know it's not a client said or my my wife said when she came in this is what an outside independent adjudicator if you will has said and so that training and accountability made a big big difference so you know the manager we didn't do evaluations like we're doing now but the manager would just observe them a little bit more i would spend a bit more time in there you know observing how they interact with clients so in short now we invested into the process and that's you know what the fit guide is about as well it's not just about telling clubs hey you didn't do this you didn't do that it's also about supporting them helping them and we have services and we're working with clubs around that I mean, it's a fantastic business model that you've created there. So congratulations on the Fit Guide. I absolutely love the concept and would seriously would love to um, see you run an all-day event that we could attend and, you know, you just give it to us the way that the industry should be. Let's, let's move. We'll have to get on to Ross and Blair perhaps on that one. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I'll speak to them. Maybe we can do something in Singapore sometime. You can tell what Mel said. Um, so <laughs> let's, shifting away just from from the Fit Guide and, and what you've been doing with the evaluations, what were some of the, um, say, fitness classes or trends that you saw throughout the visits? Yeah, so the, the first part of the process is a lot of research into finding the sort of leading clubs, the leading studios. And we speak to a lot of people on the ground. We see what r- ranks well on Google. We see what's uh, ranked well on ClassPass reviews, stuff like that. And so we get this really sort of deep insight. Uh, Pilates is seeing a massive resurgence, no doubt about that. Um, we're seeing that a lot in New York, in London, in Singapore as well. So that's definitely one trend that seems i mean pilates has kind of been around for a long time right well you know over 100 years but i think it's been popular for about 20 but it seems to have really seen a a sort of uptick and it's a lot more fresh branding new branding a strong uh, pilates i think is a great concept australian brand and they're expanding into asia and singapore into the uk as well so i think they're doing some really cool things and what strong have done and i've seen quite a lot of this is is pilates plus something right so strong pilates have the concept to rower built into the former which is really cool slt tread in the us slt is like a a pilates concept which has been around for a long time but slt tread they've dimmed the lights they've got you know neon strobes and all that kind of stuff and it's treadmill running and pilates so it's kind of combining that strength with that cardio so that's definitely one trend i mean the other the two modality trend is 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 popular and that that's still continued i guess sort of barry's probably started that you would say with the treadmill running and the dumbbell strength and so you're seeing a lot of different versions of that you know, such as the Pilates one, but not just Pilates, other concepts as well. Um, what else are we seeing that's interesting? I mean, there's still quite a lot of barriers types concepts popping up. Um, Bar also has, has seen a resurgence, I think, in the last sort of five or six years. 
Um, and I would hope, I hope that Fit Guide is going to spark a bit more of a trend, so a bit more of a shift towards hospitality, because, yeah. you know, you said boutiques are doing well, and some are, Mel, but a lot aren't. So I do hope, we've talked about this for a long time, we need to learn from the best restaurants, we need to learn from the best hotels, and really the best experiences in different industries. So I'm kind of hoping this does spark a new trend into really living up to that, and what we say we do, and what we should be doing, but we'll see. Um, the two modalities, we actually introduced that uh, prior to COVID and obviously have it, but we run it on our group fitness timetable. So instead of running, for example, say 45 minutes of a barbell class, we run 20 minutes of barbell and 20 minutes of something else, 20 minutes of combat, 20 minutes of dance. And we find that it's a, besides members loving it, uh, it's really great for new people because it's like a little taster. They get a little taste of this for 20. They can just with yeah. a little taster of that for 20. And then, of course, we do run the classes at the full 45 minutes. But I, if, if a club owner came to me now and said, what's something that I can do that's going to create foot traffic on my group fitness timetable? The first thing that I would strongly suggest is to do the two modalities in, on your group fitness timetable. It doesn't have to be about your functional training zone or your well-being zone. Group fitness rooms, as you know, already have a surge of equipment. They've got steps, they've got barbells, they've got hand weights, they've got bands. And so there's no reason why club owners can't be running programs that have two styles in them. So I like, I like the two styles myself, yeah. Yeah, so do I. It, for me, I get bored very easily. So I'm one of those people, unfortunately, I teach barbell classes, but I am that instructor that's looking at the clock at the 25-minute mark, you know, that wants to do something different. So the two It's nice to have that switch half, halfway, right? Yeah. And, it you is know, cool. and it's Yeah. And the other thing too is if you've got passionate instructors, say with combat and say a dance class, they tend to go in there with twice as much energy because it's like, bang, I've got to hit them hard, you know, have fun for 20 and then I've got another 20 and hit them hard and have fun for this 20. And so I find that it reinvigorates group fitness instructors by doing that. So, yeah, I'm I'm all for the do the two, don't do the one, but everybody everybody to their own. So yeah, there's, a, there's another one, Mel, that I, yeah. I want to say, sorry, that I forgot and I, I think it would be sad if I miss this one out because it's just seen such a big trend, which is a shift towards strength training. Now, yes. to see this unfold in the last sort of 10 years has been really interesting, but I feel like it's really ramped up the last two or three years. And actually, at base in Bangkok, we're seeing our strength classes are more popular than any other type of class. And we actually had a full cardio class that we've dropped completely. So every yes. class now has an element of strength. And you're seeing a lot of really cool kind of very strength-focused brands becoming quite big. So it's amazing in the US, Mel, how many brands have got 20 locations, 30 locations, 50, 100 that I'd never really heard of before. It's amazing. There's one called Matabolic. We evaluated one of their studios in New York. It got five stars. And that's, yeah, strength training. They are really focused on strength. And it's absolutely booming over there. Uh, in the UK, Unit, and they've expanded to Sydney as well. They're very strength focused as well. So that's definitely a trend that um, we're really seeing. And I think we'll, we'll continue as well, which is really good to see, I think. A bit, more of a, a, bit, a bit of a step away from cardio and towards strength. I think that's been good. I think that's got a lot to do with the education that's been put out there also. People are understanding how important it is to pick up weights as opposed to you don't have to get on the treadmill and go flat out for half an hour. Right. That, you know, doing weights actually can have better results as opposed to a treadmill. Can mm. I just ask you a question before we finish the podcast? Sure. What are some of the opportunities in Singapore for those that might be looking to branching out into that area? 
Oh, wow. Singapore is moving so quickly. There's so many things happening there. Um, it's a fascinating market, Mao. It really is. And honestly, it's moving so quickly that opportunities, it's difficult to say. It's such a busy market there. Just to kind of put that in perspective. So F45 have, I think, 45 locations in wow. in Singapore. And body and that's kind of on the down now a little bit as in line with sort of how F45 is going. But BodyFit Training, I think, have sold 50 territories and they've got 30 studios open. And this is a city of 4 million, so it's not a particularly big city. I mean, Bangkok's doubled the size. So it's it's so busy. There's so much happening there. That honestly, it's difficult for me to say, here's where a big opportunity yeah. is. Uh, yeah. The Yoga Movement crew have just brought in strong Pilates and I think they have capitalized on an opportunity. They, I think, have signed 13 locations, something like that and i think that would do really really well because there's a few pilates studios but they're a bit more sort of traditional and there's as we talked about there's a few of these dual modality concepts as well but i think they've really slotted in nicely there so it's difficult for me to say a specific opportunity but i think it's so lively there's so much happening singaporeans are very willing to invest into this stuff and not just in the center like bangkok it's only really central bangkok yeah. that you can have concepts like this the whole of singapore people can afford it so i would say if anyone wants to see an opportunity go to the market have a look around know that it's very vibrant and thriving and see where your niche will really slot in and serve a chunk of the market that's not being served it's so much more developed so much more mature than bangkok i think it makes it really really exciting bangkok on the other hand if you go to niche it's not going to have the market. There's just not enough people there. So really cool market, really fascinating. Certainly a lot of opportunities, but I wouldn't want to say this is the particular area and slot that you want to go in on. You know, do, do your research. Uh, now, the reason I mentioned Singapore was because you and I will be at the Fit Summit in June with Ross Blair, Jolene Day and the team. Now, if anybody wants to catch up with you at the Fit Summit, what's a, what's a, how can they do that beforehand? LinkedIn's the best way, I think. Jack Thomas, pop it in, I should pop up, or it's slash fitness business Asia. Yeah, connect on LinkedIn. Let's have a little chat. I will be there for almost a week, so a few days before and afterwards. Definitely up for chatting to people, meeting people, and really looking forward to seeing you as well, Mel. Yeah, I'm really excited. So, guys, if you haven't yet booked uh, the Fit Summit in June 12th, 13th, 14th, and 15th in Singapore, I believe the 15th is a day of tools. I'll be there uh, the 12th, 13th, and 14th. I know Jack will be there. It's going to be an absolutely fantastic event. There's some great guest speakers, and I suggest that you jump online and book your ticket and perhaps book some time to have a chat with Jack. So, Jack, thank you so much for joining me on the Gym Owners Fitness Business Podcast today. Can't wait to see you in a couple of weeks. And guys, don't forget, we are supported and sponsored by Oz Active, MyZone, Fitness on Demand 24-7, and of course, the Ignite Fitness Business Events. I'll drop Jack's details in the bottom of the podcast, and I'll chat to you all soon. Thank you, Mel. Enjoy the chat.